This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Our week of sleepers, breakouts, and busts continues on Fantasy Football Today. Welcome, everybody. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg. Yesterday was sleepers. Today, breakouts. And should we just call this the second-year player show? <laughs> Jamie, I read your column today, and... We've got, as fan as the industry and fantasy managers, we've got a lot of stock invested in the specifically running backs and wide receivers from the 2020 draft class. And quarterbacks, too. I mean, I yeah. like Burrow and Hurts uh, breakout <laughs> right. seasons also, you know. That's so right. it's, um, there's a lot to like about that group. You know, I mean, if, if you play Dynasty, you know, people were talking about that draft class, uh, the 2020 draft class, for a long time. And, you know, you, you got a chance to see it firsthand that, um, the, the running backs, uh, had some really special moments. Obviously there was one very impressive wide receiver, but the guys behind Justin Jefferson have the chance to be stars. Um, it's a, uh, it, it's a fun group. It really is, you know, and, and I think it's going to be even better because, you know, now you're seeing all these backs, uh, have a full off season and, you know, some, some clearer paths to playing time. I just got off a, a zoom, you know, press conference with, uh, JK Dobbins. And he talked about that specifically, you know, just uh, about the ability to have an offseason, the ability to be around his team, the ability to, you know, learn. Uh, he said the, the mental aspect of, of the game was so hard for him last year and, and it's going to be so much easier for him this year. And I imagine a lot of those rookies probably feel the same way, you know. So, uh, you know, you, you're, you're seeing, you know, the, the development. I, I love the, the Burrow quote today about T. Higgins, you know, losing weight, but, get, you know, getting in better shape, uh, you know, that he looks like he's going to have, a special season. So it, it's, it's really a fun, fun group and a lot of upside, a lot of bust potential because of the, the, uh, the heapings of praise that, you yeah. know, uh, we're, we're going to give these guys, but there's still a lot to love about that 2020 draft class. Dave, when you look at the running back and look, we're not going to, we spent a lot of time on the show talking about year two, year two, year two. Um, this won't be the entire show. We've got other players to talk about. Dave's going to talk about Ryan Tannehill as a breakout. Johnny Smith, who has a hamstring injury, uh, Marquise Brown, he's actually, we've already had that conversation, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. It was good stuff on Marquise Brown. We'll have it again. But uh, Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs, look, Miles Sanders, I think, unequivocally a disappointment last year. Josh Jacobs finished as a top 10 running back. Did it really feel that way? I don't know. He didn't, he, his yards per carry was bad. He had three touchdowns in week one. He wasn't nearly as good after that. You can decide yourself if he lived up to the hype. I don't think he did personally. But um, really so excited about them. Does this feel different, this class of running backs? Then there were only two last year. There were like six or right. seven that were pumped about this year. So that's the good news is that there are more running backs. And I, I think we knew that it was coming last year when 2020 was unfolding and we saw these running backs start to play well. And we, we all kind of knew, all right, these are going to be the breakout candidates in 2021. These are the guys that can ascend and maybe not just have their, their best years yet, maybe the best years they'll ever have. So I'm, I'm optimistic about the running back class. I'm optimistic about a lot of the receivers, too. I think there's a lot to be excited about from last year's draft class. I don't think we're going to feel the same way at this time next year. I just don't think that there are enough running backs. There's probably enough receivers to maybe make up for it. But I would say that the, the class of 20, classes of 2019, 2020, and 2021 will go down as being very impactful for fantasy for a very long period of time. There's just so much great talent in them. Yeah. And you know what? It wasn't always the case before, before the Lamb and Judy and uh, and Jefferson class. Like, look at some of the wide receivers who were drafted in round one: Corey Davis and Corey Coleman and Mike da Mike Williams and John Ross. Josh Doxson, yeah. Josh Doxson, yeah. It has not always been like that. I mean, you might have heard what Dave said, and, and people, oh well, of course, but no, it's it's just not like that. We've had a nice infusion of talent. All right, so with that said, Jamie, why don't you kick it off? Give me your favorite. If you want to talk about one guy who you want to highlight, favorite breakout right now, who would it be? You know, I just spoke to uh, Cam Akers last week, um, and the reason I keep bringing up them, speaking to these guys, I'm, I'm doing a story on the second-year running backs, and, you know, hopefully there's there's not a lot of bust potential with this group, but I spoke to Cam Akers. I spoke to James Robinson. spoke to J.K. Dobbins. Um, but Akers I spoke to personally, and, um, you know, uh, just looking at what his, his potential is and what his season outlook could be, um, you know, I asked him about 
what he was able to accomplish at the end of the season, but doing it without Daryl Henderson there. And, you know, he, he said, you know, which is a plus, plus and a minus, you know, that it was great for him to get the experience. But at the same time, he hopes that he and Henderson are going to be one of the best tandems in, in the NFL. Now you hear that a lot from guys, you know, when they have backfield mates that they're friendly with, and this is a, you know, a, a friendly competition as opposed to I'm trying to outdo uh, the, this guy who may take my job, but I, I think these guys have a healthy respect for each other and, and they're going to work well together. But I think, you know, Akers is ready to establish himself as one of the best backs in football. I think the addition of Matthew Stafford can help him in a tremendous way that he's not going to see a lot of stacked boxes like you saw at the end of last season. Um, so uh, there's a lot to love about Cam Akers as a potential top 10 running back this year. Yeah. And, and I know like, Dave had Cam Akers, I think, on his breakout list too. I don't. I get, I get your list confused. Yes, you did. You have some overlap. Akers, Antonio Gibson, and by the way, just for the record, correct me if I'm wrong, but you both have Jonathan Taylor as your number one second year running back, right? Sure. Yeah, he, he's he's already, in my opinion, broken out over what he's done over a little lengthier period of time compared to the rest of the group. Yeah, but I I would still say that what he did last year was great. He's going to improve on that this year. So yes, technically he's a breakout candidate, but it's one that's not like exciting. Like we can talk about Jonathan Taylor whenever you want. No, no, I just but, didn't want people to think that right, all the second year running backs that we're going to talk about are, are ahead of Jonathan Taylor. It's just ta- Taylor is, is number one uh, in that regard. Can I give you my favorite Cam Akers stat? Yeah. It's, it's a pace stat. You take his last six games, including the playoffs, he had 561 rush yards, three touchdowns, and another 150 or so receiving yards, 11 catches in those six games. I hope that number goes up, his receiving production. Jamie, I'm curious if you talk to him about that. His 17-game pace, based off of just those last six games, and remember, it includes the playoff games, just over 2,000 total yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah, Gotta love it for and Almost 1,900 yards per 16 games, total yards. Jamie, did you talk to him about pass catching? Yeah, you know, he said that's something because it, it was uh, when I spoke to him, it was right after the uh, the story came out that Sean McVay said, you know, they want to use him more as a receiver and split him out wide. And, you know, he said, uh, I, I said to him, without giving giving away the game plan, you know, what's the uh, what's the idea for you as a, as a wide receiver? What's the you know plan for you as a wide receiver? And he's like, you'll have to see, <laughs> you know. So um, <laughs> I, I think either way, I think you know it's going to be not necessarily when, when I say this. Think of. The, the, the 2017 season, the Todd Gurley receiving numbers, you know, where he had a chance. Uh, he had over 70 targets that season. I don't think it's going to be quite that lofty, um, you know, with 50-plus catches on the table. Uh, but I think 40-plus catches is well within reach, and he's going to have an opportunity to really, you know, touch the ball a lot. You know, just think about what this receiving core is right now. Um, they, they've added to it, you know, even uh, with the loss of Josh Reynolds. You know, Deshaun Jackson brings a different element to what their third receiver has been. Um, you know, Tyler Higby, I think, is going to be a little bit more involved because of what Stafford does with the tight end. So they'll do a little bit different things with him. And so, you know, will Henderson have the chance to, you know, be in that group of of top receiving options for Matthew Stafford and the Rams? Probably not. But, you know, he should do a little bit more in the passing game than he did last year. And, and let's not forget, Malcolm Brown's gone as well. Let me tell you what I don't like about Cam Akers. He is expensive, okay? He is 10th overall in ADP right now. He's the 12th pick. He has the 10th highest overall ADP. Uh, He's going ahead of Nick Chubb. This is, I'm looking at NFC average draft position since May 1st. Akers is going ahead of Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Stephon Diggs, Najee Harris, et cetera, Joe Mixon. So you got to pay up, obviously. We're looking, if you have a late pick, Cam Akers could be one of your first two picks, but... Is, let's say, 12th overall a swing pick? Is that too early for Akers in your mind, or is that okay? No, I think, you know, again, we're going to see, especially with the Aaron Rodgers situation being, you know, even more tenuous today than it was um, uh, yesterday. (laughs) Every day is probably going to be something different. Um, But, you know, with Devontae Adams sliding out of the first round, I did a radio show last week where the host said that he wouldn't even take Devontae Adams until the third round. And this was in a uh, a, a one-quarterback league because I had brought up, we had just done our, our super flex draft last Tuesday night. And I said, well, I got Devontae Adams in the third round. I was thrilled about that. And he was like, well, that's, that's where I would take him in a one quarterback league. So, you know, Adams falling out of the first round, potentially uh, Aaron Jones, maybe falling out of the first round as well. A- Akers, I think with the run on running backs that we're going to see is almost guaranteed to be a late first round pick. It's a guarantee in non PPR. That's already a given in full PPR. We'll see the Packers stuff is interesting. Aaron Rodgers just continues to find ways to pique our interest. So is Mark Murphy. Yeah, it's just so, I mean, this goes back to the conversation we had 
I think on Monday show of taking a wide receiver three versus running back eight. And how can you, how can you do it? Just justify it for me. Cam Akers over DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs. I'm trying to catch a running back PPR, that has 2,000 you know? total yard potential. Yeah, just, and if if, it, well, if, if you're gonna if, if the pace is eight touchdowns, that's not going to be terribly far off from what DeAndre Hopkins is going to score. Wide receivers and PPR should out the, the top tier wide receivers and PPR should outscore the the second tier and obviously third tier running backs. But it, it's the same thing about you know if you're going to take the top point score, why would you not take a quarterback first? You know, what I mean, if if, if you're um, drafting based on total I, points, then you're going to take the guy who's going to score the well, most. Well, no, I. So, I Okay, it's not just the total points though. It's also the safety of Hopkins who Same is, thing, quarterback would be safer. Okay, I you we all know quarterbacks just different. I think running backs and wide receivers are in a pool. They they're in one pool and then there's like right, the kiddie pool the, over the, there for the quarterbacks. The, the same the same thing why the quarterback pool is is deep. Um the wide receiver pool is deep too, you know, so you you'd much rather have I think running back 8 and 9 as opposed to wide receiver Three and thirty. Plus, you can still find a receiver that you'd be thrilled to start by round five or round six, and you're not going to be able to get that with running back. And it's been that way. I mean, we've we've titled it the running back dead zone. I Who wants to take a running back from the running back dead zone that you want to put in your lineup in week one? Nobody. No, I, I get it. Okay, uh, Dave, favorite breakout? The, the wide receiver dead zone is like round ten, by the way. I, uh, you my, say that, but. That's it's almost like round seven. It's that, not round seven. But even if it feel, is round seven, I feel seven, like this year it's going to be even like I'm. I'm still finding receivers that I like in round eight and maybe even round. Nine. Yeah, but it's you still find running backs that you like in round four yeah, and five, and, and those guys are not always great. I just I did a draft with you. I, like I saw some of the guys you took. <laughs> <laughs> How many running backs did I take in rounds four? And well, five? I mean, like you took David Montgomery in round three, and I thought that was too soon. You know, just one that popped out in my head. You know, sure. of, of of guys that you took, and, and that's a guy three. that I I would. T- it was mid round three, and that's a guy that I would consider to it be a mid round three. It was like the t- wasn't it on my team ten. I don't so think it was I'm toward sorry. the end. I could be wrong. You might be. You might be right on that. I apologize if that's. The case. And listen, um, we're just. Yeah, I mean, what's the difference between late round three and early round four? Would would have really made that big of a difference if I had waited five picks or whatever to get David Montgomery? You'd praise me for that, but poo poo on it for for it being late round three. It doesn't matter. It's the guy who I wanted, and I wanted to lock up the position. Adam, you asked me my favorite breakout candidate. I'll go with Chase Claypool in Pittsburgh. I'm really intrigued by what this offense is going to look like. I think it's going to have. I think it's going to have some like basic conceptual elements of what happened last year, the short area passing, but I think they're going to just window dress the hell out of it. And I think the coaching staff has no choice but to try and maximize what they do with Claypool because he's such a different type of player. He's so big and so strong. They schemed up for him already in the red zone last year. There was a stretch. It was in the middle. It kicked off when he had that monster four touchdown game. Um, But like Roethlisberger started to put together some good numbers in the middle of the year and Claypool's numbers were right there with him. And I I wonder if it can all be built on Roethlisberger trailed off at the end of the year. Claypool trailed off toward the end of the year. I I, I know that Juju's back. I know that those targets are going to get spread around. I just think that Claypool is a different type of receiver than Deontay Johnson and Juju. And I think the Steelers find ways to keep him fed. And I think he's got a chance to be significantly better than he was last year. Okay, he is going after, right after Ayuk and Higgins. So I would take him before those guys for sure. And just before Juju Smith Schuster, I would take him ahead of Juju. Okay, uh, how about Kenny Galladay or Claypool? I don't want Galladay. Galladay makes me nervous, so I'll take Claypool. Jamie, what do you think about that range? Galladay, it's actually Galladay, then Lockett, Ayuk, Higgins, Claypool, Juju. Claypool's behind all of them for me. Um, I, I I like Claypool's talent. I, I I hope what Dave's saying is is right, but I think if you and I said this before, if you believe in Claypool, you got to believe in Roethlisberger. So I don't think that Claypool reaches his ceiling unless Roethlisberger's back to being close to what he was pre elbow injury. Because if this offense and they're saying all the right things about how Ben's looking like he's going to be more aggressive down the field and um, that the elbow is, is back to normal. And again, I hope that's the case because it would be fun to see how this offense actually looks with all three of these guys clicking on on high, on high cylinder and playing at a high level. But uh, Dave, you alluded to it, all the targets to be spread around. I don't think he's going to see the target share that he needs to break out. I think he'll be good. I think he'll have some great moments. I think he's going to have a lot of inconsistent moments as well. The return of Juju, I think, crushed the ceiling. So Claypool's a guy that I 
will probably not draft a lot of just because I do think that he should go past all these guys. And if he's going ahead of them in some cases, then I'm not going to draft him. You know, you do have CeeDee Lamb, Jamie, as one of your breakouts. And I just I started thinking, like, first of all, his ADP since May 1st is wide receiver 13, CeeDee yeah, Lamb. creeping. Creeping mm-hmm. up way too high. And that's right. And that's, uh, by the way, Claypool is wide receiver 28. Um, what would constitute a breakout for CeeDee Lamb uh, in your mind? He would finish as, what, top 15? Oh, 12? easy, yeah. Yeah, and and I'm at this point with Cooper's ankle injury, tempted to move Lamb ahead of Cooper, um, which you know wouldn't be a surprise based on the ADP because I think he's going ahead of him almost at this point already. Yes, um, yeah. I mean it depends what you look at, but according to NFC ADP since May first, he is going ahead of Cooper. Yeah, and, and and it's him taking that leap, you know, and you saw what he was able to accomplish in the you know first five games last year. Uh, four and a half, whatever you want to call it, with uh, with Dak when Dak was healthy, it was you know impressive to see uh, what he was doing. You know, he's averaging 16.2 PPR points per game in those five games. You know, so if he does that over the course of the season, he's going to be in the mix to be a top 10 guy. And so he's got that type of upside. You know, clearly he was drafted to you know play an important role for the Cowboys. Um, you know, we'll see if uh, they continue as you've you know pointed out time and time again, Adam. You know, throw the ball 45 to 50 times a game. Uh, that's going to have to help not gonna for all these guys. <laughs> Agreed. You know, but it's I think have forty to is realistic, but yeah, it's going to it's going to have to be the case. Uh, you know, close to that. You know, certainly, you know, in the forties uh, or you know, close to forty for all these guys to maximize their potential. Throwing in Blake Jarwin as well, so um, you know that's going to hurt C.D. Lamb. But you know, he's he's getting to the point of uh, going to the other side of this, where you know the the hype is out of control and the, and the breakout potential isn't there because he's being drafted at his peak, which is not necessarily something you want to do. So where is that peak where you're just going to pass on him? Is it round three? Is it round, middle of round I w- four? I would never touch him in round three. Round four is the earliest I would, I would take him. But, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's again, typically the way that I draft is uh, if if I get, you know, three players that I love and, and he's still there in round four, then I will take him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I find myself, because I take Amari Cooper a lot in round three, uh, that I pass on C.D. Lamb in round four. And in some cases, I think I'm going to start to do the opposite where I may pass on Cooper in round three and take Lamb in, in round four. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I try to look at uh, all the instances of your two wide receivers who finished in the top 12 in PPR since the Beckham draft. So basically, so Beckham, Beckham, Watkins, Evans, Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson, that incredible wide receiver class was 2014. So looking at all the finishes since 2015 when they were in their second year. That year, four of them finished top 12, and that was Beckham, Robinson, Cooks, and Landry, and Watkins was close. He was 15th, and he was top 12 per game. Uh, That's four of the eight instances. Basically, over the last six seasons, we've had eight wide receivers finish top 12 in PPR in their second season. Eight sophomore wide receivers top 12. So then I said, well, I hope CeeDee Lamb can do it because I'm excited about CeeDee Lamb. I want CeeDee Lamb. Can he do it with Amari Cooper healthy? Can he do it with Amari Cooper doing what he usually does? Um, and that's, a, you know, close to 1,200 yards, I guess, with Dak Prescott. Uh, it's kind of hard to say because, you know, first four games of the year, he, he was he was amazing. You could look at, like, Juju and Antonio Brown. Right, Antonio Brown had a huge season, and so did Juju that year. Actually, six of the eight instances of the sophomore wide receiver finishing top 12 he had a teammate that had um, a, about a thousand yards, actually, or more. Uh, yeah, a thousand. Or, uh, no, nine hundred and eighty or more yards in six of eight instances, but only one time was there a, a number two receiver who had more than one thousand and thirty-eight yards, and that was Antonio Brown. So basically, if Amari Cooper is just normal Amari Cooper, and C.D. Lamb finishes in the top twelve. It would be, I guess, in that regard, the most impressive top 12 season other than Juju slash Antonio Brown. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it, it's look, it's going to be hard for him to reach his peak if Cooper is doing Cooper things. Um, but, you know, again, if you're in the C.D. Lamb camp, which obviously a lot of people are based on where he's getting drafted, you're like, oh, this Mari Cooper ankle injury is kind of good. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> he's, he's had it before, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, hey, maybe the pup list is uh, something the Cowboys should consider if he's going to miss training camp. Please, start <laughs> short, hey, short term IR. Uh, all right, so those are some of our our favorite breakouts, and there are a lot more to come. Let me tell you about Saturday. All right, what are you doing Saturday? Saturday is a big day. You guys know why? 
You'll tell us. It's my birthday. Oh. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, all right. But, but, Are you 40 yet? <laughs> no, 37. Birthday and Father's Day on the same weekend. Look at you. Yeah, I know. What a jip. Um, all right, so anyway, <laughs> other than that, if you're not celebrating my birthday, check out CBS. we got an afternoon of sports beginning at 1 Eastern on Saturday. The Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeo Showdown. Then we, that's followed by WNBA Summer Hoops at 4 Eastern. Head to the field for the NWSL. Then in prime time at 8 Eastern, the green flag is out for Superstar Saturday night and race number two of the Camping World SRX series on the dirt track at Knoxville Fairgrounds in Iowa. This is a jam-packed Saturday of sports, and that is Saturday on CBS. They probably will wish me a happy birthday on one of those programs, so just watch all of them, and and we'll figure out which one it is. News and notes. Got some holdouts right now as mandatory minicamps open up. Miami cornerback Xavier Howard, New England cornerback Stephon Gilmore. Uh, those are, I guess, the two high-profile ones. We had Chandler Jones we talked about a couple days ago. Um, John Smith. Contract guys mean? Yes. Contract holdouts. Jamal Adams is dealing with a personal issue, safety for the Seahawks, but also wants a new contract. But he's also not at camp. And then there's that Rodgers guy. <laughs> yeah. Whoever that. Amari Rodgers. Yeah. Big eyes on him. John U. Smith hurt his hamstring, Dave. He's the guy you have as a breakout. So Right. He, he might have broke already. Um, hopefully, <laughs> he'll be fine for training camp. Um, see what happens. But, well, I'll talk about him as if the hamstring's fine. All right. If you like John U., you like this news. If you are overvaluing John U., That's then, right. then this is going to uh, hurt your feelings. Uh, Minnesota signed defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson and Daniil Hunter, their star defensive end. He reported to camp after missing the voluntary workouts and We've said it a number of times, but this should definitely be an improved defense in 2021. Trey Lance, according to NBC Sports, is going to be given every opportunity to move up the depth chart. Mm. Cool. Jacksonville offensive coordinator. It is, it is interesting, though, just with the Trey Lance thing. Uh, George Kittle, who was so steadfast in defending Jimmy Garoppolo, um, obviously reading the room, <laughs> he says uh, glowing things about Trey Lance um, when he was asked about him this week. And so... Uh, you know, you wonder where his head's at right now. Is he still going to defend his buddy, or is he uh, looking at the guy who may be throwing him passes for the next four or five years? All right, so you have George Kittle on a dynasty roster. Who do you want the quarterback to be this year? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> not, not an option. That'll work. Not Look, an option. We've seen Garoppolo we've, or Lance. I, I'll take Lance just because I think that he'll make it harder for defenses to play against the Niners. I mean, the thing, the thing about George Kittle, his best numbers came when it wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo. All right. You know, so that 2018 season, right, when Garoppolo tore his ACL after three games. Hmm. Interesting. So I don't think it matters. I think Kittle's good enough, and this offense is good enough to feature him no matter who's throwing the ball. And it's yeah. not like we can say, well, this is going to cost Kittle a ton of touchdowns if it's Trey Lance because he doesn't Kittle score doesn't a touchdown. touchdowns <laughs> to begin with. He's a volume guy. Yesterday we talked about LaVisca Chenault. Report today out of for Sports Illustrated that Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, coordinator, wants to develop Chenault purely as a wide receiver. He's tearing up camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trevor uh, Lawrence is too. Lawrence has had some really yep. great days. Apparently, I spoke the to, hamstring hurt. I spoke to James Robinson about Trevor Lawrence, and he said, you know, just you see the difference. <laughs> you know, just in, in not so many words, but you know, that's mm-hmm. not a direct quote. Yeah, because Gardner Minshew's still on the team. Like that's kind of mean, right? You know, he's like, you know, you, you just see the 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 presence of what Trevor Lawrence could be. Cam Newton way ahead of where he was last offseason, according to, to Bill Belichick. And that's not a surprise. Last offseason, he was a, a late signing by the by the Patriots. They have a lot more talent than they had uh, this time last year. So not a surprise. Just some, we'll talk about, I think we should talk about him in a sleeper, uh, sleeper. He's so standpoint. far ahead. They drafted his replacement. Who's not having a great camp. And Cam is working Jared with the Stidham's ones. hair, by the way, is having a great camp. Ooh, I didn't see it. Schrager, throw it up on, on YouTube. Jared Stidham's hair. Let's get that. All right. Uh, back to the breakouts, guys. Uh, Jamie, Joe Burrow. So I just picked one of – I didn't go with everybody in your column. One quarterback, one tight end, two running backs, two wide receivers. Joe Burrow. The other one was Jalen Hurts, but we'll go with Joe Burrow here. And, you know, Dave's breakout is Tannehill. So why don't we compare the two? Who would you rather have, Burrow or Tannehill, and then make your breakout case for Burrow? 
I would rather have Tannehill because I think Tannehill's already broken out personally. But uh, Burrow, to me, is you know on his way uh, based on what he showed you when he was healthy last year. Because you know you look for some things, and obviously you know you, you mentioned this about Dak, and I don't think the Bengals ideally would like to throw the ball as much as they did last year, but they were in the top ten in <laughs> pass attempts. That's Jared Stidham's hair. Having a great, great camp. Wow. That wow. That's a It'll lot look of hair. good on the Jets. <laughs> okay. Sorry. It's almost like if he shaved the sides, it would have like a Patrick Mahomes type of feel to it. It just looks like Which if I was gonna try to emulate any quarterback's look, I'd try to probably look like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I guess so, but it could just kind of looks like a lot of people had COVID hair for a while where they weren't going to the barbershop or they weren't going to get their haircut. That's just his stidham looks like it's been eighteen months basically since his haircut. Looks like there's an otter on his head. <laughs> You ought to know. All right, Jamie. Uh, sorry, keep going on Burrow. I would. No, again, the pass attempts, uh, you know, and, and the passing yards. He was number seven in passing yards per game in the 10 games that he was healthy. Uh, in four of the nine games that he finished, he was over 21 points per game. Um, obviously, the, the upgrade of Jamar Chase over A.J. Green is going to be huge. And, you know, the the ability that T. Higgins, I think, still has the, to show you, plus um, – Tyler Boyd, you know, being one of the best receiving cores that we see in the NFL if everything comes to, you know, fruition with this group. So, you know, Burrow is going to be drafted in some cases outside the top 12. Um, you know, I, I think he'll be in the top 15 quarterbacks, but he's at the bottom of the, the, the top 12 group. And, you know, as long as that knee is healthy, he has a chance to be special. So, um, you know, we got a glimpse of it last year. He had some unlucky games, you know, where uh, two of his 300-yard passing games uh, didn't score 20 fantasy points because he had some touchdown some bad luck with some touchdowns, and I think that luck turns this season based on the the guys he has around him. Also, Burrow on pace for about 230 rushing yards, so he gives you something there. He's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna have 500, but he gives you something there. Although coming back from the injury, maybe he won't be quite as much. But he is mo- he is mobile and athletic. Dave, I don't even know what would hold back Joe Burrow. As long as he, I feel like, as long as he's a good player. There's no reason why he shouldn't have a good year. It's just, it's just like their defense isn't going to be special. They're loaded at wide receiver. What could hold him back? The Steelers, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Ravens, yeah. the Browns, the Browns, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Vikings, the Bears, the Packers. Uh, let's see who else is on this list. The Chargers, the 49ers, the Broncos, the Chiefs. That's, that's a poor, decent point there. It's a pretty tough schedule. It is really really tough and the the only good thing that's in burrow's favor in that regard is that some of those games will end up being high scoring games and that'll help burrow get up some fantasy production because he's got that amazing receiving core but a lot of those defenses also have really good pass rushes and the bengals made the conscious choice this offseason to not improve their offensive line and uh, they tried they did a couple of things they drafted a guard they they added riley reef they, they did things, but they didn't go over the top. They didn't do what the Chargers did, for example. And I wonder if that comes back to haunt them a little bit more. So I like Burrow a lot. But as soon as Julio Jones went to Tennessee, it was a no-brainer that I would take Ryan Tannehill over Joe Burrow. And I'm taking Jalen Hurts over Joe Burrow, too. I know Jamie would agree with that. Burrow's a good late-round quarterback to draft. And I don't know if you, if you love the idea of starting in Week 1 against Minnesota or if you just want to stash him on your bench. But obviously the upside's there. The talent is great, but the schedule is tough. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be especially tough for that offensive line. All right, so then Jamie said Tannehill, in his mind, already broke out. What do you think about that? So when I think of a breakout player, I think of someone who could post career best numbers. And Tannehill, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to do better than he did last year. He had 40 total touchdowns last year. It's insane. But I think he can get a career high in yardage. And maybe that makes up for not quite getting to 40 touchdowns, but you look at the numbers from last year, he was a better deep ball thrower and a more on-target thrower than Matt Ryan. And that's just the easy comparison to make because Julio Jones going from Atlanta to Tennessee. And I get it. The Titans are still going to throw the ball, not as much as the Falcons, but I think they're going to try and amp it up a little bit. They just got Julio Jones and their defense isn't very good. So I think that there's certainly going to be opportunities where Tannehill is going to have to make moves. I love his efficiency. And I love his consistency. He's given you at least, what is it, 20 fantasy points in 21 of 26 games with Tennessee. That's tough to beat. So if, if he's got the chance, and, and remember, he's playing 17 games, that'll help my case. 
I think he's got a chance to get close to maybe 4,400 passing yards. That would be a career high for him. If he continues to rush like he has been rushing, maybe there's five rushing touchdowns there this year. And he had thirty over 30 passing touchdowns last year, and now he's getting Julio Jones. Julio should play for a big chunk of the year. He's done that most of his seasons in the NFL. I'm I'm excited about Tannehill in a big way, and I think he does have a chance to break out and have the career best year uh, in 2021. I, I think everything Dave says is right. The only, the only thing that, you know, he kind of falls in like this gray area of like putting him in a category mm. because if you go back to 2019, the time he started, he was the number two quarterback in fantasy. He's not going to be better than that. Nobody's drafting to be that. And then last year, he was number eight quarterback. I don't even know if he's being drafted higher than number eight. I know we had, you know, some, dis- some discussion on the show last Tuesday night with the, uh, the Superflex League when he was the seventh quarterback off the board, if I'm not mistaken. Right. But and like think, we were surprised by that. Like that right. was shocking. So like he has to do better than that, in my opinion, to be a breakout candidate. And I just don't think he's going to do that per se. So while his numbers may, as Dave alluded to, you know, be the best of his career, I don't know if he's going to finish better than where he is kind of being drafted at his peak. So let's say that we can assume fantasy drafters will take Mahomes Allen, Murray, Prescott, and Lamar Jackson ahead right. of Tannehill. The five. Yeah, and then you got Russell Wilson. Five. Then you got like Wilson, Herbert, Rodgers. It's Wilson and Herbert, then there's a break. Because Rodgers is kind of in this gray area right now. Nobody knows what to do with him. So Nobody where's Tannehill? What, no. is, is Tannehill behind Wilson and Herbert? Tannehill for me is behind Wilson and Herbert. But he's that, that's the next three for me. Okay, Dave? No, he's he's a little further down. I think I have Rodgers ahead of him still. Um, I I could see myself putting him at eight. I could see myself putting him ahead of Russell Wilson if it just continues to look like the Seahawks are gonna, you know, not let Russ cook again. Does it look just, like that though? I don't it, know. it gives every indication that they're going to let him cook. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> you know what? If, yep. if they do, then we've got Russ too low. He's gonna win the MVP this year. I'm feeling that. All right. So never getting an MVP vote to winning, winning the MVP. The, <laughs> he was whole, on his way to doing it last year. This and then whole they year. pulled back on him. This they whole franchise. They took away his MVP season. Yeah. This was, this this was a discussion last, last week with Laquan Jones taking of the Real Deal Fantasy, taking Tannehill over Russell Wilson. And his point was that Tannehill will finish stronger than Russell Wilson will finish. His concern was Russell Wilson will peter out toward the end of the season like he typically does. Russell, and this Tannehill's whole year, got a nice schedule to start the season. This whole year of. has been about Russell Wilson for the Seahawks. It is, it is his franchise now. He's he's pissed off about it. He made it more public this time than ever. He dropped the whole nice guy thing and did what he had to do. If they have any illusions of keeping him past 2021, they need to make this his MVP. You know, run his like Heisman Trophy campaign push like colleges do. It is. It is Russell Wilson's franchise right now. He's it should win. be. It should have been for yeah. years. Hey, he's going to win the MVP. Yeah. I feel I had to say that. I just had to get it off my chest. So I be mean, better than I, Daniel Jones? No, he won't be better than Daniel Jones. But, like, <laughs> I just feel like since. Look at you. Yeah. No, Jones will win, like, some AP Offensive Player of the Year award or something. Comeback. Comeback player. Like, there you I, go. I feel Wilson like proof. we were in this exact spot last year, and it just seemed way more realistic that Russ was going to get just allowed to do whatever he wanted to do. And then halfway he did through for the seven year, games, he did. And then what happened? It just, it, they took it away from him. Well, they weren't winning to the level they, that they wanted to, but they were, they basically had the same well, record about their wins, man. I got a fantasy championship. They sucked game. last year when they stopped throwing the ball. They were such pretenders. Uh, well, they played, they played a cake schedule where their defense looked a lot better than it was. Yeah, they, right. They needed to actually go be aggressive, but they also said that teams made a lot of adjustments to their deep balls and they yeah. couldn't, DK Metcalf is saying all the right things about the offense coordinator. You know, it sounds like things are going to be a little bit more diverse in the Seattle offense. And the fact that they had three draft picks and the first one that they used in the second round was on Eskridge, um, you know, is is kind of telling that they went out and added an offensive weapon and a pass catcher and a guy that can play on special teams too. But, you know, a guy that can, you know, help this offense and help Russ. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like that that's the one I struggle with is is Wilson and Herbert. Uh right now I have Herbert six and Wilson seven. And I, I could see myself changing it. As a matter of fact, I think I will. I didn't really want to steal the show from you guys, but I did, I've been thinking about this Russell Wilson thing for a while. So he's, he's a breakout candidate for you. Well, that the reason why I thought of it was because you said Tannehill doesn't fall into a category. I think Wilson is, is actually a sleeper. 
Uh, I just feel like he's going to be able to put it together and have his best. I think he's going to be the quarterback I gravitate toward. I think he's going to be my guy. So he's an upper echelon sleeper. I can see it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Running. Let's do some. No, let's do the tight ends like we did yesterday. So, Dave, you want to kick it off with uh, John Smith? Just love the opportunity that I think he'll have in New England to be like a a more receiver than tight end. They've, They've already been crowing about him in practice about just how big and athletic he is and He's a good receiver and a really good route runner. And they had to have brought him in with designs of making him a big part of their passing game. And I'm positive that they want to get their passing game, you know, off the OR table at this point and to have something there so that they can be at least, you know, 50-50 pass run. Um, I I just, I've been a fan of the talent for a couple of years and I think he's just going to get a good opportunity. Maybe he gets close to 100 targets over the balance of the season. Hopefully that hamstring's okay. But I, I don't really view him. I, I kind of view him as like a, a cheap version of what Kyle Pitts is in Atlanta. I think he's going to be way more receiver than tight end. I think the Patriots are going to look for matchups with him. I think the Patriots are going to let Cam Newton throw a little bit more than he did last year, and I think he'll be better. They're talking like he's already playing better and he's more comfortable with what they're asking him to do. And if it ends up going to Mac Jones, who doesn't look like he's ready to go right now, but if it does by midseason, I think that helps as well. So it's just a combination of him having an opportunity and him being a great athletic talent coming through for New England. Okay, he's actually going just just a little six picks behind Hunter Henry in the average draft position I'm looking at. It's Irv yeah. Smith, Henry, Ingram, Jonu Smith. I think he can put up career-best numbers. I think he'll be better. I'll draft him ahead of Hunter Henry. I think Henry's there partially because of his blocking ability. Can I tell and you guys? Oh, go it's ahead. a cheap price tag too for Janu. The player, the tight end that I feel like we never talk about, and he's going ahead of all of those guys, and it's Tyler Higby. I know Jamie. Oh, I'm starting to come around in him a lot. Yeah, your guy is Dallas Goddard. Uh, we'll talk about him, but can we make a Tyler Higby breakout case or sleeper case, whatever it might be? Yeah, I think based on you know. ADP probably sleeper as opposed to breakout. I, I just don't know like where the ceiling will end up being because again, all those pass catchers for the Rams. And as we've seen, you know, Sean McVay can fall in love with this tight end and completely go away from his tight end. But as Jacob Gibbs told you, when they let their tight ends run routes, they throw to their tight ends, at least based on what this offense has been with Jared Goff. So um, at Higby, it, there's like this group of tight ends and, and I would put both Patriots guys in this group um, of, you know, do you want to buy back into Logan Thomas and, and Robert Tunyon? Do you want to buy into the Patriots guys, one of them being better than the other? And ADP is obviously telling you one thing. And I'm with Dave. I'd rather take my chances with John than Hunter Henry. But I'm going to avoid both of them, to be honest with you. Um, the two sophomore guys of Troutman and, and Komet. I love Adam Troutman. He's going to be one of my favorite, you know, draft picks this year. Um, as a matter of fact, we did our pick-by-pick, you know, draft for uh, the magazine, which will, you know, hit newsstands in July, our second edition. I took Troutman and Komet. Um, on one of the teams. Um, but then you get, you know, Gasecki and, and Higby and Jarwin and, and, and these guys and Evan Ingram, you know, they can all really uh, compete to be a top 12, you know, top 10 caliber tight end because of, you know, what their talent level is and, and their potential roles in the offense. And Higby losing Everett, you know, will hopefully help. Right. You know, and so, you know, I, I think there's, there's, a, there's an opportunity there for him to be successful. And we also don't know where Zach Ertz is going to end up as well. So there's a... You know, the, the, the theory of elite or weight is is very profound, you know, just on, based hey, on how, how you should do it. Greater late. Greater late, excuse me. Yes. Greater late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. So let's talk about Dallas. You're insulting Goddard. Travis Kelsey by only calling him great. <laughs> That's true. If there's Kelsey and then there's greater late. Yes. Let's talk about Dallas Goddard here. Uh, wasn't so good with, with Jalen Hurts, but I, I, I think anyway. Um, yeah, he, he only had, played he had, two games though, so it's hard to judge. Yeah, he he played three games, but hurts. I guess one well, of them left was the Washington the game, right? Uh, okay, forget that. Tell me about Dallas Goddard and and what you think his ceiling is. How good do you think he could be? Well, I mean, you've already seen a top ten season from him, you know. So he did that two years ago when Ertz was healthy, and so you know, doing that in tandem with Ertz. I think is important because now if he gets those opportunities and, you know, maybe some of the routes that Ertz was running, some of the target share that Ertz had, that's going to help. Uh, they played four games together healthy last year. And in two of those, Goddard scored at least 18 PPR points. Um, in the two games that he played 
two full games that he played with Jalen Hurts. He had 14 targets in those two games. And we know what this receiving core is. And, and you know, I, I've said this a, a billion times, that I'm going to gravitate toward tight ends in that middle tier. And this is the tier that's typically failed us, but that's the middle tier of Hawkinson, Andrews, Pitts, and Goddard for me. You want to throw Irv Smith in there, or, or Noah Fant, you can. But um, Goddard and Hawkinson fit the profile of the guys who can lead their team in targets. And Goddard can be the best pass catcher for the Eagles. I don't know if he will be. I don't know if Devontae Smith comes in as a rookie and all of a sudden commands those targets. If Jalen Rager as a sophomore has such an improvement or, you know, it's just uh, a 10 to 15 target difference across the, the, the course of the season because they're also balanced. But, I mean, you look at what the, the Eagles pass catchers are, and it's hard not to say Goddard can be the best of that group. So uh, I'm going to take him whenever I get the opportunity to. I think he's got top five upside. I think he can you know, take that next step forward as a player, uh, given his opportunity. He's got to stay healthy. Hurts has to improve as a quarterback. But the, uh, the, the, the blueprint is there for him to be that next solid, borderline great fantasy tight end. I know he's going to be a top seven tight end for most people, Jamie, but is he seventh? No, he's behind Pitts because I think Pitts does have a higher ceiling if he hits. And it's hard to say that about a rookie tight end, but, you know, he's, he's seventh for me. Right, Where are you seven. taking him? What round are you looking for Goddard? Six. Okay. Yeah, all right. But but Ho- Andrews, Hawkinson, Pitts, Goddard, right? That's that's how I have it, yes. Right. Okay. No, Hawkinson, Andrews, Pitts, Goddard. Sorry, that's right. Hawkinson, Andrews, Pitts, Goddard. Hawkinson is Jamie's other breakout tight end. I think you all probably know that by now, but go check out the column. It's good stuff. And there's sleepers, breakouts, and busts all over the website right now, cbssports.com slash fantasy slash football. Let's go to the running backs here. And, Jamie, I'll throw it to you first. You've got DeAndre Swift as one of your breakouts. You have Najee Harris as one of your breakouts. Who would you take first, Najee, Najee Harris or DeAndre Swift? Najee. I would take Najee over Cam Akers, too, you know, just to Whoa. go back to Whoa. the start of the show. Um, yeah, I, I just think, okay. you know, the the again, blueprint. Mike Tomlin's blueprint for, you know, uh, 15 years now has been, um, or ten at least 10 years, uh, you know, if not going back further than that. But, um he has a guy, he leans on that guy. And I think Najee Harris is going to be that guy. I think he's going to catch pass out of the backfield. He's going to work at the goal line. He's going to be their guy on first and second down. So um, I love Cam Akers. I, I love DeAndre Swift. I just think Najee Harris has a higher ceiling going into his rookie season. I know the offensive line is a concern, but um, you know, I, I, I'll buy into what the Steelers should be able to do, what he should be able to do, what he showed me at Alabama. Um, you know, So I'm, I'm all in on Najee Harris. I would take him, like I said, ahead of the, the a couple of the second-year guys. I would Actually, I would take him ahead of everybody not named Jonathan Taylor. Man, guy runs for five touchdowns against the Gators in the SEC championship game. That's right. I'm, I'm scarred for life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm actually, just... that night I said if, if, if they only hold him to three, yeah. I, I won't draft him no matter where he ends up next year, anywhere. But when he scored five, that was it. First By that pass. logic, Adam and I are going to take Javante Williams yes. and Michael Carter with our first two picks in every single track. Every highlight they show of that guy. It's against Miami. It's I against know. Miami. Yeah, it so was ridiculous. Hey, uh, you, you know when I came around on Najee was when I looked at the schedule. And I know that there's the Ravens and the Browns are on the schedule, but I really think it's a good outlook for Najee Harris. So you take the pedigree and, and what he did in college, and everybody knows that he's been a you know this prime running back prospect since he was in high school. And you, you tack on what you know about the Steelers. I, I think the one thing that I get hung up on with Najee and why I, I'm just I'm not ready to put him ahead of Cam Akers is the offensive line. Is I it used to be that the Steelers' offensive line was dominant and great, and I could trust it. And now I'm wondering if they're going to be the reason why Najee isn't as efficient with all that work. And he is going to get a lot of work. So he, he's moved up for me, too. I think he's worthy of a late first-round pick. But I can't pull the trigger on him ahead of Cam Akers. It's the one guy that i got to disagree with you on. Okay, but you do agree that he, Najee Harris ahead of DeAndre Swift? Yes. Okay. By the way, the second... Whereas, and it wasn't long ago where I didn't feel that way. And it wasn't the news in Detroit that swayed me. It was... What 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 the year is going to look like for Najee, provided that he doesn't get a lot of bumps and bruises. And uh, Baltimore is actually week eighteen, so he will not see them twice in the fantasy calendar, which is nice. Unless you're playing to week eighteen like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. At running back for Dave, Cam Akers is one of his breakouts, and Antonio Gibson is the other. And I think it's really impressive what Gibson did last year considering he barely played running back. 
before 2020 before 2020 I agree. Uh, he ran a four three nine forty. Um, and he worked then, out as a receiver at the Senior Bowl, right? And then to come in and, and play running back, I think he averaged four point seven yards per carry. He did. He scored a lot of touchdowns. If I had one bone to pick with him, Dave, one thing to nitpick here, he really crushed Dallas, Dallas twice and Cincinnati once. Other than that, he wasn't great. It's you know look it's not like you can't do that really it's not fair because you can't can't just like remove every easy Your matchup for everybody. The bleep out of this one. I just he's been on a roll. No, nah, I just like he was look at look at what he did. Look at what he did. like. Okay, it's like the Tyler Lockett argument, right, Dave? You said look at those three weeks where Lockett put up all those huge points. Yeah. You take away Dallas two games against Dallas and one against Cincinnati, his three longest runs of the year came against Dallas. Uh, so I don't you know. I don't know. Does that bother you at all? No. I'm looking because, for a new angle because we've talked about so like, we've talked about Gibson so much. I'm just looking for a new angle. So go ahead. No, listen. I, I think there could be something to it, but it's not going to sway me into taking him with a second round pick. I'm I'm ready to believe in him the same way that the Washington coaching staff is is believing in him. And there there were a lot of elements to his game that I think he can improve on. He only averaged like 12 carries a game. I would expect him to get more. Uh, he had like a catch rate over 80% and he only had like, I, he had less than 50 targets on the year. I, that's got to go up too. And he had a ton of touchdowns. You know that that's a role that he's going to have. This offensive line's got a little better. And I talked about Najee's schedule and how that helped sell me on Harris. Gibson's schedule is not too far off. He's got a top 10 projected strength of schedule, a uh, little bit worse than Najee Harris's, but still one of the best. It also starts pretty favorably. So I'm I'm believing that his workload will rise, his efficiency will stay the same. I'd like him to be more elusive. He ranked poorly in yards after contact per attempt, which is crazy because he he forced and broke through a bunch of tackles. It was strange, uh, but but I think he can start to take a bigger role in the offense. And maybe it was just one of those things in training camp where the the coaching staff knew that they had something with Antonio Gibson, but they didn't want to put too much on his plate until he was really really ready. And frankly, I, I think toward the end of the year, and certainly in those easy matchups, he was ready, and he proved it in those matchups. And now he's got the potential to do it in every matchup. And it just so happens that the schedule is pretty good for him. The thing that got frustrating with Gibson was the toe injury, and in that he was just starting to get going. That's and true. And that stupid yes. Tuesday game against the Steelers, <laughs> and he hurt the toe, and he struggled until the end of the season when he came back. They gave him a heavy workload down the stretch. I forget if it was the playoff game or the game before. Game week um, 17. Right. You know, so I guess at that point he finally felt healthy. But I love, love, love that they're talking up using him more in the passing game. Get J.D. McKissick off the field. Um, let him play, you know, in hurry-up situations at best. But use Gibson more on third downs. The thing that, you, you know, you said this, the thing that he was was a pass catcher. He was a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. He obviously can do it. He caught 36 or 44 targets. And so, you know, you got to assume that there's going to be more to that as he gets more comfortable. Uh, I don't like the fact, and he's one of my, my favorite breakouts too. I don't like the fact that they say the toe is still a little bit of a problem, but, um, you know, you, you, you saw, you know, video footage of him at, at camp last week and he was moving around fine. So hopefully it was just, you know, hey, my toe is still bothering me, but it's not going to keep him off the field for any problems during the season. But, uh, you know, he just was scratching the surface last season. And then I think the toe injury set him back. And so hopefully he gets a full off season, better quarterback play. And not that Alex Smith was bad, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, gives them a little bit more juice and opens up the passing game. The Curtis Samuel factor is a little bit concerning because of what he could do as a rusher and as a hybrid player and maybe take some of those passes as well, receptions as well. But I do think that Gibson is going to be the catalyst of this backfield. Uh, no stupid Peyton Barber stuff. No stupid uh, uh, Lamar Miller stuff. Imagine somebody actually dropped Je Justin Jefferson for Peyton Barber, by the way. Um, but Antonio Gibson could oh, come in twice this week and be, be that superstar that he's capable of. Uh, I, I love Antonio Gibson. I, I can't draft him enough. Okay. Sorry about the whole Dallas thing. I, I really, I just feel like uh, we've talked, it's been a long off season. We've talked a lot about these guys. So I was trying to give a different look. There's a lot of crossover. I mean, look, you know, the, the thing I think that we'll get more into as, you know, training camp starts is uh, the, the, the more, the, the sleeper guy, I know you guys did the show the other day, but you know, more, more sleeper options, more guys that can emerge and, and these late round picks that we'll be targeting. 
Let's stay on Washington, Jamie. And your wide receivers are Terry McLaurin and CeeDee Lamb among their breakout wide receivers. We talked about Lamb. So McLaurin. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about a guy that we talked a lot about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So you're the high, you might be one of the highest in the industry, I feel like, on McLaurin. Not by much. but And I'm just guessing about that. I'm sure we can find some consensus, some rankings. Uh, but I feel like you're really high on McLaurin. Yeah, I, I love what I've seen the first two years. I love the addition of Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, I'll give this uh, stat again. You know, Fitzpatrick has, since 2010, um, had eight seasons with at least nine starts and is number one receiver over that span. Uh, Steve Johnson three times, Kendall Wright, Andre Johnson, Brandon Marshall twice, and Devontae Parker. All those guys had at least 128 targets on the year. And seven times that number one receiver had 72, tar- 72 catches, six times 1,000 yards, and three times 10 or more touchdowns. Now, some of those numbers obviously aren't eye-popping, but – that's the floor. And again, we're talking about guys like Kendall Wright and Devontae Parker and, you know, not, not to disrespect anybody else, but, you know, Stevie Johnson and, and, uh, and, and what Brandon Marshall was when he got him and, and what Andre Johnson was when he got him. Um, so, you know, McLaurin's entering his third season. This is when the jumping off point hopefully happens. Um, you know, he's had some bad luck, as we've said, you know, only four touchdowns last season. So I just think he's going to be a 150 target guy. Uh, you know, if we have to move that bar a little bit now with the 17 games, 160 target guy, uh, he's going to have the chance, I think, to be in 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 the 90 plus catch range. He's going to have a chance for 1500 yards. He's going to have a chance for 10 touchdowns. Um, I, I just love what Fitzpatrick does for his number one guy, and I think McLaurin's going to be the next of that group. Okay. Yeah, this makes me a little nervous about Gibson because we're, we're talking about Gibson being used more as a pass catcher, and when I think about Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think of him just going bombs away and not dinking and dunking. So it might hurt Gibson, but it absolutely helps the argument for McLaurin, who's just such a terrific talent that I think Fitzpatrick has already fallen in love with him if he hasn't. Like, he should have already. Real quick question for you guys. Real quick question. If you drafted Gibson in round two and McLaurin in round three... I did that today. You're going to win the championship. I did that today, exactly. That's a lot. That's a lot lot of faith in Washington's offense. Uh, And and, and I'll tell you, I had some some pause. Uh, So this was, again, our pick-by-pick... Uh, so it's uh, a four-man draft of myself, Dave, Heath, and Chris Towers. And we each take three teams of the 12. And so with the fifth pick, I took Saquon Barkley in the first round, Gibson in the second round. And I was staring at Anto- uh, uh, Terry McLaurin or Allen Robinson. This is PPR. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was, it was McLaurin or DK Metcalf um, were my two choices. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take the guy that I feel I have the most confidence in and the guy that I like the best. And I think both, as we saw at times last year, can be very successful. You know, so um, there, there's there's a lot to put on Ryan Fitzpatrick's shoulders to say you can support two upper echelon top tier fantasy players. But you know what? I think he showed you that at times throughout the course of his career. I don't know what the running backs did. I can go back and look if you really want to know that research uh, of Ooh. when these receivers were at their best. Oh. Um, but uh you know, we saw Miles Gaskin play well last year when, you know. Yeah, but that's good. when Parker wasn't that good. It's like Parker was great. Yeah, in but it's, I, I, don't, I can't tell you off the top of my head when Tua was playing and Gaskin was doing what I he was looked, doing. Uh, I looked at it. Fitzpatrick actually kind of crushed his reputation of not throwing to running backs last year. He threw to Miles Gaskin a lot, a lot more than Tua oh, did. Oh, good. Yeah, I know. It's a lot. Look, it, there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, but we'll take it. It we'll is kind it. of interesting. And Jamie, by the way, according to Shraggy B, you are the second highest in the industry on McLaurin in non-PPR, okay. where you have him seventh. You have him ninth in PPR, but uh, you are second highest on him in non-PPR. There you go, Jamie. Pump that up. There you go. Uh, 14 games McLaurin and Gibson played in together. Keep in mind the offense then is not as good as the offense now. They both had double-digit PPR points, eight of 14 games. If you're looking for a little bit more, call it yes, 13, 13 or more PPR points each. That happened one, two, three, four, five times. And once once Gibson's toe injury happened, you know, it was kind of a mess overall in Washington, but certainly for Gibson. So it wasn't going to happen uh, where they would both get 13 PPR in the same game easily. But okay. they were they were they were vibing together. Okay. All right, Dave, give me I'm sorry to do this to you, but give me like a minute on on Marquise Brown because I want to sure. read some emails. So what happened last year through the first 10 games, they, they tried throwing to him. I'm sorry. What happened? I'm right. used for you too, so we're done. Sorry. All right, after okay. Marquise Brown, go for it. 
they were throwing to him further downfield. He wasn't as efficient. They started to shorten his routes, and they used him more in the red zone on crossing crossing routes and, and off of play action, and his efficiency spiked. His last eight games were outstanding. He had six touchdowns in those last eight games, and I imagine that they learned the best way to use Hollywood Brown based on that. They'll still take deep shots with him. He's going to be the fastest player on the field. But I think they're going to continue to use him as more of a short and mid-range type of target. And I think that'll make him, I think it'll make Lamar more comfortable to throw to him. And I love the first half schedule for Baltimore. Second half of the schedule is rough. This is a receiver that I'm drafting to be, I draft him as a wide receiver too in one of the pick-by-pick teams that we did today. And I hated that. But as a wide receiver, because I loaded up at other positions. But if you get him as a wide receiver three, you use him through October, and then Halloween comes, and someone says trick-or-treat, you say trick, you throw Marquise Brown in a trade, and you get him off your squad when the schedule gets really, really rough. Okay. Or if you really like him, you could dress up as Marquise Brown on Halloween. Jamie, what and do we even, got? And even like if he does great in the first half of the year and just kind of so-so to the end, toward the end of the season, uh, I still think he'll have better numbers this year than he's had at any point in his career. Breaking news. Uh, according to Matt Nagy on the Chris Collinsworth podcast, Justin Fields will be the number two quarterback in week one. Andy Dalton is the week one starter, and nothing is going to change that. They've already made it that way. Nagy, Andy Dalton is our starter. Justin is our number two, and we are going to stick with this plan. You just got to trust the plan. I trust it for the Giants because they've got the Bears pick. So (laughs) looking forward to that. They won't be as bad as the Texans, but they could be. I mean, how can he stand by that if Andy Dalton is just okay in training camp and Justin Fields is on fire? Could be motivating the kid. You know, you never know. He he can't can't commit to that at this point. I think that's (laughs) kind of not smart. Uh, Jerry Judy also left practice with a tummy issue. Oh, no. I've been there. Yeah. You can follow and stream Fantasy Football Today on Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify right now, go to the FFT show page, hit that rectangle follow button so that when new episodes are dropped, they'll be at the top of your feed. And if you're listening elsewhere or watching on YouTube, give Spotify a try and drop us a follow. We will be right back. A little bit of a long show today. We'll talk. uh, We'll read your emails after this at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. Here we go. Kyle from Ohio wants to know, would you take Austin Eckler or Najee Harris at the turn? What's the format? Uh, that's the end. Yeah. Uh, well, you tell me. Uh, PPR, it's Eckler. Non-PPR, it's Harris. Agreed. And? Half PPR, it's Harris. There you go. Yeah. All right, this is from Nick. Hey, David, Patrice, Brad, Charlie and Tuca. Tuca might have given it away. Are those Boston Bruins? Oh, maybe. That's probably right. Yeah. Look at you. You know hockey? I know Boston stuff. Why? I just do. <laughs> okay. Weird. Uh, in a couple in a couple days, I'll be starting an ultra flex dynasty slow draft. Hmm. That's a term I haven't heard before. You can start ten players. At most, two quarterbacks. The other eight can be any position, and it's also tight end premium. Wondering what I, I've actually. What's that? 
You can start eight tight ends. You, I guess so. You can so. start six tight ends and two quarterbacks. Yeah, you could. All right, so by the way, when you guys hear tight end premium, that suggests exactly what scoring. One and a half points. Okay. One and a half PPR. That's yeah. pretty much standard. That's tight end premium. I mean, I'm sure there are different different scoring for that. You know, it could, could be, be a p- two points per catch or a point every seven point. yards receiving. Right, it could be a point and everybody else is half. Okay, but typically you guys think... Bonus one, scoring for tight ends is, I think, is the way you think of it. Yeah, right. one point for everyone and 1.5 for tight ends. Okay, we'll operate under that assumption. Uh, I guess he's, you know, the question from Nick is like, how do you prioritize this league? You're going to start two quarterbacks, but then the other eight positions can be any position. What would you guys do? Oh, uh, um, wait, I'm sorry. Is I'd, it Dynasty? Yeah, it's and it's it's a start of Dynasty. Dynasty right. 2. This is kind of fun. I like this. Does idea. he say what pick he has or he doesn't know yet? Nah. No. So I would guess you're going to see Pitts as a first round pick, even a start of Dynasty League because of the tight end premium. Uh, you probably make a case that Kelsey's still a first round pick. Um, quarterback's going to go high. Mahomes is going to be maybe yeah. one overall. Yeah. I think quarterback is going to be very, very popular. And I think the 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 great tight ends are going to be very very popular, and then th- that'll populate the first couple of rounds. Quarterbacks, top tight ends, top running backs. You're not going to see a receiver taken top. in the first two rounds. Oh, I bet you might see one or two receivers taken in the second round, but it's a ten team league, right? I, yeah, yeah, I no. still think you'll see twelve team league. He Does doesn't say? say. He said you start ten players. He didn't say how many are in the league. Okay. Yeah, like I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw uh, Tyreek or Justin Jefferson or AJ Brown. You know, the dynasty receivers go there. Yeah, but all these tight ends and quarterbacks are going to get pushed up though. Yeah, the running backs. So I don't think you're going to see maybe one or two. Many. Right, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I don't think you're going to see like five. It'll be a couple, and it'll be toward the end of round two. So I would just plan accordingly, and I probably would definitely prioritize. I would definitely would prioritize quarterback, young quarterbacks, and young tight ends. Okay, this is from Matt in Wisconsin. I recently accepted a trade in my dynasty league. Who do you think won the trade? I give up Devontae Adams and James Conner. I get Jalen Hurts, Kenny Galladay, and Joe Mixon. Adams and Conner for Hurts, Galladay, and Mixon. I'm very deep at receiver, but I needed the quarterback and running back help. I think Matt won. It's a one QB league. I think so. So giving up Adams and Connor. So it's basically Adams for right. Those other three. Hurts, for Mixon, Galladay, and Mixon, and whatever you get out of Hertz and Galladay. This is a clear win. This is a clear win. I think so too. Yep. Good job. And then if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, then it's like well, even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get traded, Adams is is almost certainly gone from Green Bay after this year. You yeah, but so? he could still end up in a good situation where he can give you... Like, there's still a chance that Devontae Adams can give you three or four more very good years. Sure. Or he could replace Allen Robinson in Chicago and catch passes from Andy Dalton. Uh, this is from Jared <laughs> Jared in Arizona. Dear Frosted, Bran, and Corn. What, what are Bran flakes? These are flakes. I've never... I mean, I'm looking at it right now. They exist. Anything that has brand in the name of the cereal is terrible. Right? No, that's not true. Not Raisin brand. Raisin brand is amazing. I would not use the term amazing. <laughs> I'll give you for raisin, raisin brand. brand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for crackling oat brand, you're damn right it's amazing. <laughs> what about frosted flakes versus corn flakes? Where do you guys frosted flakes? Come on. Okay. I mean, just checking. Corn flakes. Uh, just how old are you? What? Corn flakes are like for my parents' parents. You eat crackled oat bran. It's amazing. It's fantastic. That's for dinosaurs. All right. I have the second pick in the draft. It is a 12-team super. I like news. Oh, was he? Oh, no. Is the elbow. Partial UCL tear. Oh, yeah. I saw that happen. He was playing the White Sox when it happened. Oh, really? I'm surprised he wasn't playing the Red Sox since you love Boston (laughs) so much. You know why I I learn about Boston stuff? And it's really just like. Basic Boston stuff is because I I follow this radio station that I'm on oh. in Boston, so they're constantly tweeting about the Bruins, and my son is a Celtics fan. Okay, so right. that's how I know about you know Boston and the Bruins and eating at 99 and all that stuff. Okay, duck tours. Okay, anyway, the question is: 12 team Superflex PPR league. 
Second pick in the draft. Top players available are going to be Zeke, Dak, and Tyreek Hill. And he has Stafford, Jonathan Taylor, and A.J. Brown. So who would you take? It's a super flex league. He already has Stafford, Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, and A.J. Brown. Uh, Zeke, Dak, or Tyreek Hill? Dak. Dave, yes, Dak? Yeah, I th- I think I would take Zeke ahead of Dak in a typical super flex league. Okay. From Oda, non-PPR startup keeper league with three keepers. Grade my plan. With the number two overall pick, I want to grab Dalvin Cook. This is a startup keeper league with three keepers. Number two, I want to grab Dalvin Cook. With number 16, I want to draft Justin Jefferson. With number 24, I want to draft Patrick Mahomes. I don't have a fourth-round pick. How do you not have a fourth-round pick if you're in a startup keeper league? It's traded maybe, it. maybe he traded it. Yeah. It's one of those keeper leagues. Teams? I'm trying to figure this out. He has the second pick, the 16th pick, and the 24th pick. Uh, so it can't be. He, that's probably where the trade came in. Uh, he's got yeah. two second round Makes picks. sense. Right, but why would he have 24 and not 23? Trades. <laughs> it's a lot of trades this guy's <laughs> making. All right, so Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Mahomes. My question, I guess, would be to you guys, like this doesn't seem bad in any way, but would you take Mahomes if you didn't have a fourth-round pick? That's the only issue I'd have with this. That's what I was thinking. The defense wants his pick in round five. It could be the first pick in round five. His fifth-round pick is uh, 13th overall. It's just this weird draft where, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, I think he, it sounds like he made a trade. And so if you make the trade, maybe you made a deal so that you could move up to two so that you could get Dalvin Cook. And I think you've got to give up the dream of having Mahomes. You could still find another good quarterback in round five that you could yeah, potentially yeah, I mean, look, why, I think if you go in saying, I want Dalvin Cook, best available receiver, because if Justin Jefferson's gone, don't you know have your dreams crushed. And then see what the best player available is at 24. If in your opinion, Mahomes, take Mahomes. All right, guys. Thank you. Good show. We got busts coming up later this week. Make sure you're checking out Fantasy Football Today in 5. For Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg and Ben Schrager, I'm Adam Azer. Have a good one, everybody. Talk to you soon. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.